You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi guys, and welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is our. Uh, fourteenth podcast, but um we've been off for a little bit <laughs> with uh with all the action and uh, a couple of us have been going through uh finals and other other events <laughs> leading up to the holiday season. But um but yeah, we're back. Uh a lot of things to talk about. Um this time we should be adding uh Jeremy um from our staff on here in a couple minutes. But um uh, just uh to get things started here, um, the big things that we're going to be diving into today, um, Big Time ACC Challenge, obviously the arguably the biggest uh, non-conference event in college basketball period, um, definitely the biggest for the Big Ten, um, kind of about what happened, um, what surprised us, winners, losers. Um, then there's also been the uh, <laughs> the string of upsets, so to speak, um, in recent recent weeks for the Big Ten teams. Obviously, Michigan going down. Um, Indiana had kind of an upset. Uh, Purdue, Nebraska. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of uh, disappointing performances from certain teams. And then also a, a few of the surprising – oh, I shouldn't say surprises, but um, the positive teams so far, uh, teams like uh, your Indiana, your Maryland, um, Penn State, we just recorded a win earlier today. Um Speaking of which, um, it is Sunday the 14th. A um, couple games earlier today that I will uh, will address. Um, big ones were uh, Rutgers and uh, Penn State just played. Um, both picked up wins. The Rutgers win not as big against Manhattan. And um, Penn State's win over George Washington was actually a pretty big one. Um, especially for a program that's searching for those quality wins in non-conference play, so that's a uh, that's a big win for them. And they're also at ten and one now, which is good. Um, later tonight, Northwestern MSU play. Um, not not necessarily any marquee or big opponents, but um, obviously would be good if those two teams could get a win. Um, but yeah, uh, Jeremy should be on here in a couple seconds. But um, just some general thoughts. I'm going to jump into some general thoughts on the season here, so to speak. Um, I think there's been a lot of great games so far this year um, across college basketball. Um, the big, the big name teams <laughs> so far this year appear to be Duke and Kentucky, which I think is earned. Um, those teams have obviously played great. They have the the talent, the hype, but um, it is, it is interesting to see them starting to battle some of those tougher teams. Um, Kentucky had a pretty impressive win over North Carolina this week. And then um, Duke beating Wisconsin on the road, which is one of the most impressive wins this whole season. I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find even one or two more impressive wins this year. But um, those are big wins for those teams. Uh, more towards the Big Ten. Um, every, everyone's still talking as if it's uh, Wisconsin and everyone else, which was kind of the thought coming into this year. So not not – not too much um, surprise there. 
Um, the middle has looked a little bit weaker than we would have expected, but um, but it's also been uh, there's also been a lot of teams at the bottom that have looked better. So um, kind of a mixed thing um, coming into this year, but definitely definitely some great games, some upsets, uh, some pretty astounding upsets overall, <laughs> um, including for some Big Ten teams. But uh, yeah, that's. That's kind of been how I how I've seen the uh, season un- unravel so far here. Um, I think yeah, I don't think Jeremy's quite here yet. Um, so I'll just uh, jump right in here to the uh, Big Ten ACC challenge while we wait for him to <laughs> to, to jump on here. Oh, oh, I think he's here. Uh, Jeremy, yeah, can you hear yeah me? this. Is, yeah. Okay, yeah, can you um, hear me? Wh- Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just uh, talking about kind of the general uh, season, how it's been going here. Um, just a quick introduction. Uh, Jeremy is one of our writers here over at BT Powerhouse. Uh handles a lot of the recruiting coverage. But um, how have you seen the season so far? Uh, big storylines across college basketball. Well, uh, I'm a bit surprised by how the Big Ten's been uh, performing so far. Um, after the Big Ten ACC challenge, uh, I thought that the overall non-conference performance would be kind of along the lines of what we've seen in previous years where uh, the Big Ten generally picks up a lot of um, top 50 RPI wins, a lot of good wins against the other major conferences. Um, right now, it looks like uh, the Big Ten is down, um, the SEC is down, uh, the ACC has rebounded um, since the challenge and uh, has a lot of talent, especially at the top with uh, Duke and Louisville. And the Pac-12 is uh, a lot stronger than anticipated, especially with a uh, surprise team like the Washington Huskies being undefeated to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I talked a little bit about the two teams that have kind of uh, dominated the national headlines Uh what are your thoughts on, you know, the teams like Duke and Kentucky that um, seem to be, you know, according to your ESPNs of the world, kind of uh, the national championship game in, in waiting? <laughs> yeah, um, as as far as I can tell, I mean, at this point, I would be really surprised um, if the national championship game wasn't between those two teams. That's how strong I think they've looked. Um, Kentucky is, of course, a tremendously large team um they're difficult to score against their defense is is very tough and they're uh, tremendous on the offensive glass so beating the wildcats is going to take a tremendous effort um jaleel okafor is uh everything that he was advertised as being in the offseason um even as a true freshman uh he really understands how to play in the post he has a variety of offensive moves and even has a, a nice jumper um, underneath the free throw line. So those are both two very, very uh, versatile and strong clubs. Uh, Duke also has a lot of upperclassmen talent um, and Quinn Cook to uh, help kind of lead the way there. Um, so I think both of those teams will will definitely be uh, controlling the conversation around college basketball probably throughout the season. Yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of a uh... – pretty much mirrored my thoughts that uh, I expressed earlier. But um, you, di- you did mention the, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, obviously Duke, a part of the ACC. Um, we'll get a little bit more towards the results later. But um, who were some of the winners and losers and maybe some of the surprises that uh, 
you thought you saw in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, obviously, the Big Ten, they won 8-6. to six, But um, do you, first off, do you think that was a legitimate win for the Big Ten over the ACC? Um, and then talk about, uh, you know, some of the winners and losers in, in your view. Sure, sure. And as far as um, whether that was a uh, legitimate win or not for the Big Ten, that's actually um, an interesting question. Uh, one of the things that stands out um, when you look at the Big Ten ACC challenge is that the top of the Big Ten um, lost their games against the uh, top teams in the ACC. Um, you might say that uh, Michigan getting a win over Syracuse was an exception, um, though I'm not sure how strong the Orange Orangemen are this year. Um Wisconsin lost uh, at home to, again, a very, very good Duke team. Ohio State couldn't handle a uh, tremendous Louisville club um, and uh, so on as far as um, the top teams in uh, the ACC. Um, You did see a pretty good showing from some teams in the Big Ten that we didn't quite expect um, to perform too well, Uh, teams like um, Rutgers and, you know, Maryland has been a surprising team. So, um, and uh, after Indiana had their big loss against uh, Eastern Washington, to see them rebound so strongly against Pittsburgh uh, was a win for them. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I definitely agree. Um, I think that is an interesting note to talk about kind of the top, um, the middle and the bottom, so to speak, um, especially considering that, um, coming into the game, the Big Ten or not the game, the 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 challenge. Um, I think the Big Ten had one, two, three, four, five, six teams ranked um, coming into it, and the only team that won was Michigan. And we kind of know the whole story, which we'll we'll talk about in detail a little bit later. But you know the upsets following that, so that might have been more of a a fraudulent top twenty-five ranking, so to speak. Um, and it is interesting to think that outside of Michigan beating Syracuse, really none of the top teams or the teams perceived to be the top teams um, recorded those big wins, um, which is definitely an interesting point. Um, in terms of surprises for me, I thought the one that was really impressive um, was Iowa over North Carolina. I know the Tar Heels, I, I never saw them being as quite as good as people say, but that's still a really tough place to win, especially on the road. And North Carolina certainly isn't a bad team. So I think that was a huge win for Iowa. Um, I think, you know, talking about Indiana, I thought that was a a really solid win for them uh, to rebound against Pitt. And um, I think we talked about this in the the Indiana preview, but um, Indiana kind of set themselves up behind the eight ball last year and not getting, you know, many big non-conference wins. And I thought that was a really valuable one that will be useful, you know, in March if they're on the bubble. Um, yeah, uh, outside of them, you know, Nebraska winning, um, on the road, Rutgers winning on the road, those were solid wins for them. Um, nothing to write home about, but, uh, yeah, to me, I I think it was a a legit win, but, um, especially when you consider it, the Big Ten ACC challenge is kind of more about matchups than it is anything else, which I think you'd agree with, but, um, were there... Now, uh, talking maybe on the other side, were there any big teams that you thought disappointed in the Big Ten ACC Challenge? 
Um, I would I would say though Illinois did have a uh, tough matchup against Miami. Um, in, in watching that game, I thought it was one uh, where they really could have uh, come to control the game if they could have controlled their own offense um, a little bit better. Uh, they were pretty close throughout the uh, second half, but there was just some some wild shooting um, from their backcourt as well as uh, Nana Egwu um, a bit on the perimeter as well. Um, if they had uh, just gotten a little bit better looks um, throughout the second half, they might have had a shot at a, a big big upset there. Yeah, I um that that definitely was a bit disappointing because I, I I really did think they had a good shot at winning that game. Um, the two the two that disappointed for me personally, um, I think the first one is Maryland. Um, they lost pretty handedly at home. The one the one thing I would note is Des Wells was out. Um, I believe he's still out. But um, so obviously mm-hmm. you're probably losing your best player. So losing at home to Vir- a really good Virginia team isn't bad. But um, you you just thought you know coming into the year that, that was the chance they had for the upset there. Um, but again, injury, no supply. <laughs> um, the other one was, um, Michigan State going on the road to a, a good, but I don't think a great Notre Dame team. Um, and I, I really thought that was a chance for them to get that marquee win, get a road win in non-conference and really set themselves up to have a solid conference season and get in with a pretty good seating. Um, now they're kind of, they're going to have to win big. Um, conference games, which is never easy, um, and try to avoid any bad upsets against a team, you know, maybe like a Rutgers or a Northwestern. But um, I thought that was a really big missed opportunity, especially because they were right there. Like, the game went to overtime. But um, those were the two teams that, that popped out to me. Um, outside of that, were there were there any big surprises for you in the in the challenge? or? Um, in the challenge, uh, I was very, very surprised that um, Rutgers got a win, even though um, they definitely weren't facing a mighty team um, in uh, Clemson. Um, but just for them to win one on the road, given that they opened the season with a loss at home uh, against George Washington and you know had another home loss before they faced Clemson, um, to see them win that game on the road was, was very surprising. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and just before we we move on from that, um uh one one thing to note about Rutgers is they are they do seem to be coming around. I mean, they scored a win over Vanderbilt, um got demolished by Virginia, but um that Clemson win lost to a pretty solid Seton Hall team and then uh back-to-back wins now. But um do you do you think Rutgers could be improving coming into conference play and um do you think they could be a threat, you know, for a for a big upset at home? Um, I do see uh, them improving a little bit, coming together a little bit. Um, And that's not to say that I think this team will really make uh, big waves in the Big Ten. Um, This was uh, something that I kind of called out uh, a little bit earlier in one of our earlier podcasts, but Rutgers is really far away um, from some of the more Western uh, Big Ten clubs, so I do think that when, say, maybe a Nebraska or even a Wisconsin who plays a, a lower-scoring game, uh, when they have that long flight all the way out to uh, Piscataway, um, they may come off the uh, plane a little bit, you know, jet-lagged 
and that may be um, a small advantage uh, for the Scarlet Knight in their home arena. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to knock off one of those clubs, maybe, um, I don't know, not Ohio State so much, but maybe Michigan State as well might have uh, travel concerns there. Yeah, yeah, I really I really think they are improving. And when I say improving, um, I do mean in the perspective of where they were, you know, coming along. But um, I think getting Kadeem Jack back, um, getting him in the lineup, working in some of these younger players, because um, Rutgers had a, a – pretty big uh, recruiting class uh, coming in. So I do I do think them developing and moving forward um is big. I I definitely don't think, you know, they're they're going to challenge for, you know, Big 10 title or anything. But um I do think there is some upset potential there, especially with some of the, you know, the quote-unquote middle um appearing to be a little bit weaker. But um yeah, mo- moving off of that, talking about kind of the middle and uh the upset factor um Obviously, we got to move on to some of these upsets. Uh, Michigan, you know, falling to New Jersey Institute of Technology, um, Eastern Michigan, and then getting destroyed by Arizona yesterday. Um, Nebraska falling to Incarnate Word, and Purdue falling to uh, what, what was it like North North Florida? Um, North Florida. <laughs> I forget some of it. Yeah, I forget some of these names here um, for these small schools, but. Um, first, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think any of these are just a fluke? Um, a sign of a bigger thing to come. Um, What's your take on this? Um, For me, uh, I do see um, a definite trend developing uh, with some of these losses, um, especially uh, looking at um, Michigan and Nebraska. Um, In Michigan's three losses, um, the lack of uh, front court offense has been um, really apparent. Uh, you've kind of seen the strain that that's put on uh, some of their three-point shooters um, to produce their own looks rather than um, getting that sort of inside-out play to uh, kind of help open that up on the perimeter. Um, so what you're seeing with that is that the uh, stronger ball handlers in Karis LeVert have uh, continued to be successful Um, But that has been a really big ask for, say, a Zach Irvin, who um, would prefer to be uh, mostly more of a catch-and-shoe player. Um, So you may see uh, that issue continuing to kind of rear its head in terms of some of their um, offensive struggles. Uh, Some of the rebounding issues that you saw against uh, Arizona might continue to uh, kind of rear their heads. Um, with Nebraska, they really struggled with uh, turnovers. Um, they average 14 a year, or excuse me, 14 a game on the year, and um, they have had really high marks uh, against Incarnate Word, and even in their win um, against Cincinnati last night, they had 19 turnovers. So they're really struggling handling the ball. And um, Ty Webster has really kind of continued to struggle to adjust to the college game. Yeah, um, I I would say jumping towards Nebraska first. Um, I, I I don't want to say I, I called the upset, but um, I, I remember watching those games before against you know Omaha, Tennessee, Martin. Uh, even even some of their first couple of games, Nebraska was winning, but they never looked impressive. Um, even you know the mar- the margins were bigger than the game was um, for most of it, especially that Omaha game. They were right with them until the very end. 
And um, the thing is, is Nebraska's offense has looked ugly um, this year. I wouldn't say it was it's awful, but I would say it's this is a defensive team, and pretty much outside of Petaway, they're not creating much. They struggled passing the ball last year. That seems to have carried over, and it seems to be a lot of guys taking bad looks or guys not converting. Um, I, I think this is one of those things that until they, they get some of that more elite offensive talent that Miles is starting to tap into, um, it's going to be a bit of a struggle offensively. Um, you hope they can get something going over the next month or so, but um, I I was not shocked that they were upset. Um, obviously, Incarnate were not a great team, but um, that to me that was something that, you know, when I – when I saw it happen, I I wasn't shocked, um, at least not to the extent I was with Michigan. Um, and moving on to Michigan, um, I I think I picked Michigan to be second in the Big Ten, so obviously I had them pretty far up there. Um, I'm not going to write them off as being a terrible team just yet. Um, I think they've had a lot of things, um, unfortunate things happen. Um, the end, the thing that really sticks out to me about those losses. Um, them getting blown out against Arizona, it, it was bad, but Arizona's also an awesome team, so I'm not really that shocked to see that happen. I think most of the Big Ten, if you send them out there, would lose pretty handily. But um, but the NJIT game, it was like a shootout, and the Eastern game was just a defensive struggle, um, which is just so odd to me that it would flip that the script that much in just like three or four days. Um, but I, I think the big thing that Michigan's struggling to do is they just they're not taking quality looks. Um, guys aren't shooting well, they're not passing the ball well. Um, you know, it, it sounds just like general comments here, but Michigan, if if you've watched them the last few years, they move the ball well, they use ball screens well. They when they pass the guys, they pass where the guy can actually use it. It's not on the ground, it's not way above their head. Right now, it's way above their head or on the ground. And the thing is, the guys can't get the quick quick shots off because they're not getting the ball where they need to get it. Um, and it's just all these little things that I think are just adding up um, right now. That's really uh, making them struggle. But um, they do get a week off, and they get SMU, um, which uh, we'll we'll see what happens then. But um, yeah, Michigan certainly does not look like they're in a position to repeat um, as Big Ten champs, that's for sure. Um, and and one, one team that we didn't talk about, um, or, you know, we haven't talked about, but Purdue um, losing to, uh, to North Florida there. Um, Purdue's been an interesting team. They seem to be a lot better, but um, mm-hmm. they, haven't, they haven't quite put everything together yet. Um, in that North Florida game, they did not shoot well. Um, what, what, what do you make of that of that loss for Purdue? Um, the North Florida game uh, right now looks like it's going to be a pretty big loss for Purdue. Um, we'll see how things look as uh, they go on in their non-conference schedule, uh, but they really just have one more opportunity for a big uh, non-conference win when they face Notre Dame in Indianapolis uh, this coming Saturday. Um, for the Crossroads Classic. Um, they do have one top 50 win uh, against BYU, um, but they also missed against Kansas State and uh, got a uh, pretty, pretty bad road loss um, against the uh, pretty young Vanderbilt Commodores. Um, 
And, you know, looking at Purdue, it's it's just tough um, with their team. Um, they do have some good pieces for sure. Uh, you know, A.J. Hammonds um, isn't quite what, you know, people expected him to be coming into this season, at least not quite yet. But on the other hand, Isaac Haas has been a big-time surprise. Um, Vince Edwards is already uh, an impact player. And um, their offense has smoothed out somewhat. Um, they're still struggling to uh, shoot from three. Um, Kendall Stevens helps them in that regard, and so has Vince Edwards, but they still don't have quite enough there. Um, you'd like to see them uh, do a little bit better from the free throw line as well. Uh, it kind of hurts them that their bigs get to the line as much as they do. Um, so they're not as far off as they uh, look right now. And um, of these three teams, um, I think I like Purdue uh, the best out of them. Um, oh. So uh, they do have that going for them. Uh, but we'll see how they kind of continue to develop here. Yeah, Purdue Purdue's kind of a, a weird team right now because they, they have some quality wins. I mean, that BYU game, you know, granted it came in overtime, um, but that was a big win. North Carolina State at home in the ACC Challenge was a was a pretty solid win. But um, yeah, I mean they they got pretty they got handled pretty well against Kansas State. Um, they just couldn't keep up with them, and um, yeah, Vanderbilt Vanderbilt isn't a bad team, but um, yeah, you you really would have liked to see them pull out that win, especially after losing to North Florida. But um, yeah, Purdue will be an interesting team to watch. Um, I don't think people a lot of people are keeping an eye on them, but um, they could be they they could challenge some of those uh those higher up teams in the Big Ten. But, um, but, yeah, moving on to a, a bit more positive note here, um, who, who have been some of the teams that not necessarily surprised you but look um, really improved this year um, across the conference? Well, uh, I, I will go with uh, surprised here. Uh, Minnesota has looked pretty good to me, and um, I thought they would struggle more with uh, some of the pieces that they've lost, um, especially on the inside. But, uh, Andre Hollins has really controlled that team. Um, I knew that DeAndre Mathea would be a good player, um, but I didn't quite see uh, so much production out of, say, a Joey King or a Carlos Morris. So they have really um, impressed me with uh, their even play. Um, they do have the opening season loss to Louisville, uh, a loss to St. John's. Um, but besides that, they got a road win against Wake Forest, and that was that was a game that they had to win, um, and also a neutral court win against Georgia, um, again, a game that they had to win. Um, so not the strongest non-conference schedule. Um, haven't really proven a ton, but, you know, they've beaten who they're supposed to beat, and they've beat them by large margins. So um, they're a team that I'm really interested to see uh, once the rubber hits the road in Big Ten play. <laughs> yeah, I think um, yeah, Minnesota's been a, a pleasant surprise so far. I'd say I'd agree as well. Um, it, it is a little odd because they've only they've only played three, I would say, decent teams so far. Um, beat one, um, lost to Louisville, and lost to St. John's, as you said, but. Louisville's awesome, so I I don't necessarily you know hold that against them, but um, it is going to be interesting to see they they don't really play anyone until um, conference play starts, but you know they get they get Purdue and Maryland to open up both on the road, so if they can go at least one and one there, this could be a, a pretty good Minnesota team. 
Um, the one the one team that I wanted to uh, point out was Maryland. Um, we actually have uh, um, SB Nation's uh, a writer from their from uh, the Maryland site uh, joining us in a couple minutes. So I'll hold off on the Maryland talk um, right now. Mm-hmm. But um, an- another team that I do I do think looks a lot better is Illinois. I know Illinois fans are going to be a little down considering they just lost back to back games to Villanova and. Uh, a bit of a not great, a good, but not great. Well, maybe not even good, but a solid Oregon team um, in uh, Chicago, which is essentially a home game for Illinois. But I thought they looked pretty solid. I thought, I think their offense is functioning a lot better. It seems to be coming a little down after that, you know, insanely hot start. But um, I do think they looked a lot better. Um, what, what do you think of, uh, of Illinois to this point? Um, Illinois is kind of one of those teams that concerns me. Um, I like a lot of the talent that they have on their roster, especially uh, Ravante Rice. I think he's one of the best guards in the Big Ten. Um, One of the things that jumps out at you um, when you watch Illinois on the offensive end is that they're really an isolation-heavy team. Um, They do uh, a lot of ball screens, not too many off-ball screens. Um, I'm looking at their uh, page on Ken Ken Palm uh, right now, and um, their assist per field goal made is um, 199th in the country, which looks about right um, just based on uh, what I've seen out of their play. Uh, so they do they do a good job when you know Ravante Rice is the one um, in isolation. He does a really great job of getting to the free throw line as well. Um, but they don't quite have that leader at point guard that they had uh, with Tracy Abrams. Um, I'm not a huge Tracy Abrams fan, so I didn't think that the loss of Tracy would impact them as much as it has. Uh, But they really don't have um, another guy to create those assists for them um, that Tracy did, uh, even if I'm not going to say he did that spectacularly well. Um, he was definitely their best assist man now that you see um, how they've played without him. Uh, so I think that may have some ramifications for them as they get into conference play. Um, so I'm not quite as sold on them um, as you are. I do think they um, have looked good so far, uh, but I wonder how much of that is sustainable given their offensive setup. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's a fair point. Um and Kendrick Nunn has kind of been hit or miss so far this year. When he's on, they seem to be pretty solid. But um, the the one thing that that I f- found interesting um, was their their three point shooting as a team has been a lot better. But like like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it does seem to be you know declining a little bit as they're facing these tougher teams and these tougher defenses. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep that up. But um, moving on to uh, to Maryland here. Um, we have uh, Andrew Emmer from uh, Tuskegee Times. Uh, Andrew, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh. Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Good, good. How are you guys? We're we're doing pretty well. Um, we just we're moving on to some of the teams that we've uh, we found as um, talking about some of the teams that have improved this year might be a little bit bit of uh, pleasant surprises. Um, and we're moving on to Maryland. Um, can you can you tell us a little bit about how the uh, the seasons unfolded for Maryland and um, what what's different from this year to last year? 
Yeah, so I think that by almost any standard, uh, Maryland has outperformed what a lot of people have thought uh, coming into the season. They're 10-1 right now. Uh, their only loss being to Virginia, who is the number three-rated team on, on Ken Palm. And uh, I think you know, one of the hardest matchups in the country for any team just because of their defense. Uh, and even that game, I mean, Maryland lost by 11, uh, but they were without Des Wells, uh, who is, I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Mellow Trimble, a big fan of Jake Lehman, but, but Des Wells is their is their best player. And I don't, I think if you argue otherwise, you're you're neglecting what he brings to the team. Uh, but Maryland being 10-1 and right now without Des Wells for the last few weeks, and uh, they just now getting back Evan Smotrich, who's another senior starter um, or potential starter, is, uh, is about... It's better than anyone could have uh, expected. Now, they have a big test against Oklahoma State uh, coming next Sunday, but for right now it's hard to be disappointed with almost anything out of, out of Terrapin. Um, and I'm not sure if you said this and I missed it, but um, when when is Des Wells expected to be back? Um, he was supposed to be out for a month, and that would a month would put him back right around Christmas, uh, which means okay. that he is almost certain to miss the Oklahoma State game. Uh, maybe we'll make a, a, a small appearance against Oakland, uh, which on December 27th. Uh, but that's a game that Maryland should be able to win without without Wells. Uh, and so it really looks like they're targeting to get him back by the Big Ten opener against Michigan State on December 30th. Uh, personally, I, I would be surprised if he was back then, just because four weeks is a very, very positive estimate for um the kind of injury he has to his wrist, um, I I would more expect him back in maybe you know uh, first week of January. But I know that Maryland would very much like him back by the Michigan State game. <laughs> um, and Andrew, uh, just one one other big thing about Maryland. Um, how how do you see this team fitting into the conference race so far? I know there's been a lot of ups and downs with the team so far, but um, do you think this is a team that could challenge Wisconsin or at least challenge for that second? I don't think that they can challenge Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is by far the best team in the league. Um, But from everything that I've watched so far in the Big Ten and watching, you know, every minute of of Maryland so far, uh, (laughs) I think that they they are, I think, clearly right now a top five team in the conference and Mm -hmm. could be as as good probably as as a top three team. I still am going to wait to see, you know, what they look like healthy. And that's one of the biggest things for Maryland is that they're winning a lot of these games uh, without without Des Wells. And, and if, if they can win, you know, and, and you know, you, uh, sorry, USC Upstate, who they squeaked out a win against uh, yesterday, and North Carolina Central, who they played on Wednesday, and Winthrop, who they played uh, last Saturday, these are not um, teams that are ranked, you know, in the 250 or 300th of Ken Palm. They're not – traditional cupcakes. These are all teams that are projected to compete for their conference title, uh, even if they're mid-major conferences. So they're they're being pretty, you know, decent teams, potential NCAA tournament teams, especially uh, Central and Upstate, um, without Des Wells. So, and, and Wells is not one of those players that demands the ball all the time. He's not one of those guys where you worry about how he would fit back in with the team because when they had him, they, you know, they – Crushed, uh, they crushed Iowa State, and maybe crush is maybe too strong of a term. They they won by nine, but they controlled that game from the tip. And Iowa State's one of the best fifteen teams in the country. 
Um, mm-hmm. So if, if Maryland can, it looks like that with Des Wells and, and has looked perfectly fine without him, uh, except for against Virginia, which again is a, is a tough matchup for anybody, um, I'm very optimistic on their chances to finish in the top four, top three of the conference, definitely behind Wisconsin. And I would say they're still behind uh, Ohio State, just because Ohio State has a little more experience. Um, Maryland's relying on a lot of freshmen who have performed well so far, uh, especially Melo Trimble, who, for my money, should be currently, it's between him and James Blackman for the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Um, but, um, yeah, he, maybe Isaac Hoff, too. Um, <laughs> when, when they get him back, it's they're as talented as anyone in the conference, but Wisconsin's still just just ahead above everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and speaking, you you might have a uh, a unique perspective on this, so uh, I figured I would ask you. Um, we just we just got done talking about the Big Ten ACC challenge. Um, uh, the Big Ten did win eight to six, um, but Maryland's kind of that unique one, just coming from the ACC. Um, first off, do you, do you think that was uh, a win, quote unquote, for the Big Ten and um, a legitimate win? And second, uh, do you think uh, were there any big surprises? Um, obviously, outside of the you know, the Maryland game for you. Um, I mean, I think that right now the Big Ten is probably a better conference than the ACC. Just because from top to bottom, you know, there's Rutgers, but even Penn State, who I don't think is very good, and I think in our in the um, in the rankings that we had last last week, on I wrote in the Big Ten Powerhouse rankings, um, I think I had them 12th. So I really don't think they're very good, but they're 10-1 right now. And they just beat a, what should be a, you know, at least, Decent George Washington team today. Um, so if a team like Penn State is maybe the equivalent of Virginia Tech in the ACC, is ten and one and, and beating Virginia Tech, I still think the Big Ten's a better conference than the ACC. Uh, I don't think they're the best conference in the country. I think the Big Twelve is, is maybe clearly the best conference in the country. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say probably Big Twelve, then Big Ten, then ACC, and, and perhaps the Big East is is right there and. Um, the Pac-12 is, is kind of far behind, but probably still in the in the top five. Um, okay. But, yeah, in terms of surprise in, in a, in a uh, challenge, uh, I was surprised by Miami beating Illinois. Now, Illinois obviously was exposed yesterday against Oregon, but I, I thought Illinois was going to be really good this year. Um, and I was really surprised at how dreadful Ohio State looked against Louisville. And Louisville is one of those teams like Virginia, who's just – it's such a grind to play against, and – you just have to be on your game to even compete. Uh, but I thought that that was going to be a closer game, and, and Louisville just strangled them. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for calling in, Andrew. Um, I'm talking about Maryland here. Uh, have, a, have a great weekend, and thanks for calling in. All right, thanks. Really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> thanks. Uh, Jeremy, uh, just to uh, get your thoughts on, uh, on Maryland here, um, what, what did you think of the Terps so far this year? Um, Maryland has been a, a huge surprise for me, and there is just a ton, a ton, a ton to like about this team. Um, I would also throw uh, D'Angelo Russell in the um, Big Ten Freshman of the Year conversation, um, but Melo Trimble definitely deserves to be there as well. Um, as a whole, their entire freshman class has played really well. Um, they represented very well without Des Wells. And actually, honestly, um, at this point in the season, Maryland looks like the second-best club in the Big Ten. 
Um, Ohio State has really uh, made all the effort in trying to schedule uh, solid opponents. Uh, Marquette uh, is down this year, and I don't think people anticipated that. Um, But the fact is that Maryland has uh, much stronger wins on their resume than Ohio State does right now. Um, Iowa State is a very strong team, uh, as we all saw on Friday when they uh, went into Iowa City and knocked off the Hawkeyes um, pretty decisively without one of their starting players. Uh, So um, the fact that Maryland was able to win that game pretty decisively really speaks to their talent level. And uh, the fact that they've been rolling uh, the way that they have without Des Wells um, just really reaffirms that. Uh, I really think they're going to be a very, very tough, tough team for uh, all of the clubs in the Big Ten. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them finish um, second. I'd, I'd actually be really surprised to see them finish outside of the top four in the conference. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I did not pick them anywhere near the top um, coming into this year, which, I mean, we'll see. Every, everything changes month to month and week to week. But um, they have been very impressive. They look much better, especially playing without their best player um, in some of these recent games. But um, I wouldn't say I, I was shocked to see them succeed because they're, they're one of those teams, you know, if, if things hit, they were going to be really good. If things didn't, they weren't going to be very good. I think things have hit so far, um, especially with Trimble. Uh, he's been really good for them. But um, they definitely look like they could be challenging for that number two spot, um, especially considering that they, when their home court is full, they have a very um, loud crowd, um, very good home court advantage um, when the fans are there and passionate, um, which I think they will be this year, especially with all the, the Big Ten teams coming to town. Um so we'll have to see how that how that shakes out. But um, just had uh, one one other thing before we go here. Um, I I wanted to talk about the the big announcement of the past week or so for the Big Ten has been that the 2018 Big Ten tournament will be moving to Madison Square Garden in New York. Um, obviously that's going to get a lot of mixed reactions from different people. Um, Jeremy, I wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think it's a good move, a bad move, um, for the Big Ten tournament to be heading out east? Um, it's it's definitely a good move for the conference um, in terms of what they're trying to do as far as uh, expanding their footprint along the East Coast. Um, I don't think there'll be any trouble in selling out the tournament um, in New York or um, Washington, D.C. Uh, the Big Ten is full of um, a lot of really, really large programs. So the alumni bases along the East Coast are are really pretty significant. Um, So I do think that it'll help uh, with the Big Ten in terms of uh, allowing some of uh, the fans along the East Coast to uh, get an opportunity to see some of those teams. Um, I know that uh, a lot of the Midwestern fans that are kind of the base of the Big Ten aren't super thrilled about it. Um, But I don't think uh, Delaney has been too aggressive with scheduling um, those East Coast tournaments. So there's going to be the one in Washington, D.C., uh, the one in New York, and then it'll be back to Indianapolis and Chicago, presumably, um, probably for either two or four years. So um, I think it's definitely a good experiment um, for the Big Ten. I think uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see how 
um, those conference tournaments being played early in the case of Madison Square Garden um, does or doesn't affect the Big Ten's uh, NCAA performance. Um, that'll be interesting to see as well. Uh, but I think it's a positive. Yeah, um, I, I'm i not sure that I'm as positive, but uh, just to give a little, a little background here, um, last year it was in Indianapolis. Um, this year it will be in Chicago. Year after, which is 2016, it will be back in Indy. 2017 it heads to D.C., and then 2018 is the Madison Square Garden um, event. I do understand the uh, Delaney's desire to kind of, you know, quote-unquote welcome the new you know, Maryland and Rutgers to the conference, basically giving them quasi-home uh, <laughs> conference tournaments. Um, and I do understand, you know, especially Madison Square Garden, New York, a uh, huge city, obviously a lot of Big Ten alums. Um, I agree with you. I don't think they're going to have any trouble filling out that one. Frankly, I don't think they're going to have any trouble filling out the D.C. one either. I think the Big Ten has just so many great teams um, right now. Um, I think they're going to start – this will be yearly just selling out – um, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, the one area that I do not support this with, the biggest problem I have is that it's D.C. and then New York in back-to-back years. Um, I know we've heard chatter that the next few after will be back to Chicago and Indy, but the problem I have is, especially considering that, you know, it's not bad for your Michigan, your Ohio State, Indiana, those types of teams, but Nebraska is really far out west, and I think I calculated it, and they're basically going to be going roughly 1,300 miles in back-to-back years. It's actually closer for Nebraska to play the Big Ten tournament in Las Vegas than it is for New York, just to put that into perspective. But um, I, yeah, I, um, I'd be fine if they rotate it, but I really don't like – that it's back-to-back years out on the East Coast. I wish it would be more of a D.C., Indy, Chicago, then New York, then Indy, Chicago, then maybe, you know, uh, Detroit or Minneapolis or Omaha or, you know, something like that. But um, I really wish they would have spread it out more. Um, but the one the one interesting note which you brought up was that the Madison Square Garden one is going to be held the week prior to Selection Sunday, which um, – will be interesting to see if that has any impact on kind of how the committee views it. Um, I don't anticipate they will, and maybe it'll get more hype because it'll be kind of the only big conference tournament going on at that time. But um, that is an interesting uh, note. But, um, but yeah, for for this week, that's uh, the last thing we had down here. Um, do, you have, do you have anything else before we uh, check out here? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing to note um, with the Big Ten's non-conference performance so far is um, that at this point, um, the conference really hasn't picked up a lot of uh, top 50 wins. Um, so what is kind of concerning about that is that, you know, over the last couple years, um, the Big Ten has gotten uh, half of its teams into the NCAA tournament, uh, a little bit over half the teams in the NCAA tournament. Uh, if the Big Ten doesn't get some high-profile wins um, going down the stretch of the non-conference, we could realistically see um, the Big Ten get, you know, six or even five bids um, to the NCAA tournament. So uh, upcoming games um, to keep an eye on, uh 
Indiana plays Butler next weekend. Um, Purdue plays uh, Notre Dame. Um, Indiana plays Georgetown in two weeks. So there's still a couple of big non-conference games left, um, but not too many. Uh, the season's right around the corner, so the Big Ten really needs to, to pick up some of those wins. Yeah, I agree. And um, one thing one thing to note about that as well is, you know, if, for instance, we'll say, you know, a Michigan or a Nebraska really tears it up in conference play, um, that that's really going to make it tough if they don't have those non-conference wins um, in terms of getting the bid, you know, as you were talking about. But, um, yeah, a couple other, I know, I know Michigan plays MSU, or not MSU, SMU. And uh, as Andrew was talking about, Maryland gets matched up with uh, Oklahoma State. So there are a few, but um, Big Ten definitely needs to uh, <laughs> rep the next couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, Jeremy, thanks for thanks for calling in. Um been uh it's been fun <laughs> but um yeah uh, thanks and uh, thanks for everyone who who listened in this week uh hopefully we'll we'll start getting this thing on a, a more uh regular schedule here but uh yeah excited for the games coming up and Thank uh you. yeah yep <laughs> Sorry. and uh yeah all right well that that's uh big 10 powerhouse 14 uh i'm thomas bendit you can check us out uh on Twitter, uh, at T-Bendit. Um, I know Jeremy's on Twitter as well. Uh, w- what's your handle? At Jerbear LaFleur. <laughs> such a good, such a good handle. But, uh, all right. Well, thanks everyone for call- for, uh, checking us out and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>